Hey, it's Nelson. And this is Monica. Welcome to the Seattle Foodie Podcast, the show where we talk about the Seattle food scene and the people and businesses behind it. We eat all the food and share our insights with you. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get to it. Hey, Monica, just to get, kind of get into your personal life, you do have some guests from out of town, from out of state. Where's the best places you're taking them to go eat? Uh, yeah, my best friend from God, when we were kids is here with two of her daughters. And I get asked all this question all the time. People message me. And then, you know, when I take family and friends where I take them, I always let them lead. So I say, what's the kind of food that you can't get where you live? And that's what I'll focus on. So for example, today, she said that there's she's not finding any great Thai food in Seattle. So I took her to soy and explained to her sort of the difference between Northern Thai food. And then we're going to schedule some other Thai food when she's here as well. Um, we also had a talk about bubble tea. So I took them to Chinatown to young tea afterwards. So my secret is to let people lead. I don't, I, I have a handful of places that I would recommend, but I think that when people are taking their time and their money um, to spend on a vacation, it's best to let them lead the way a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I make a list and tell people where to, I kind of ask them to the same thing. Where do you want to yeah. go eat? And whatever cuisines they want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Some people is like, I want Italian or I want good Chinese food. Mm -hmm. And then if they want good Chinese food, then I'll make a day trip and we'll go up to Richmond and we'll do that. Oh <laughs> yeah. For sure. I'd rather do that or, <laughs> you know, but I will suggest Pike Place Market and people mm -hmm. not want to go Pike Place Market. I know, right? And it's just like, they think of it as a tourist place. And I'm just like, I, I'm like Oba, Justin Oba. I believe that this is some of the best makers around and there's no better way to support a flourishing economy than supporting small business. And these are serious makers. Mm -hmm. These are real, right? So I agree with you. Like Pike is a great place to visit. I, I will say my, my friend, she did mm -hmm. say Pikes though. And I told her, stop okay. it. That's how we know that you're tourists. It's Pike, not Pikes. There's no S. It's Pike. It's Pike. It's not U. It's not U of W. It's U Dub. Yeah. It's the same thing, right? right? It drives me nuts in movies when they go like, "Oh yeah, my daughter went to the U of W." There's no such thing as the U of W. No. People. People from LA. <laughs> well, on that note, welcome to the Seattle Seattle Foodie Podcast. This is episode fifty-six. I'm Nelson. She's Monica. Monica, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, lots of food, lots of excitement and getting ready to go on the podcast. We got to do some recaps from last weekend because we recorded earlier. How about I start off, Monica? How about you start off, Nelson? <laughs> that sounds great. All right. So like I mentioned last week, Monica, you and I both headed up to North Seattle and Pinehurst for tasting at Zilverstein, hosted by Elitis. Thank you, Alita, so much for having us. We got to sample all the Jewish delicatessen and so much more. Challah bread, everything bagels, Reuben, lox bagels, pickled herring sandwiches, New York cheesecake, cookies. Oh my gosh, there's so much I, I didn't even name. And they had a sandwich called the Bronx Delight, which had corned beef, pastrami, beef salami on rye mm -hmm. with Seattle Mustard Company grain mustard. Monica, you know me. I love sandwiches, but I love a really good like New York style Jewish deli sandwich. Like I'm talking about cats, mm -hmm. right? Just like yeah. just two, two pieces of rye bread. And in between is five inches of just pastrami on top. That's all I needed. That's all I need. Mm -hmm. And a matzo ball soup. I can always use a matzo ball <laughs> soup. 
For sure. And you know me, Nelson, I am not a fan of sandwiches. So that sandwich better be good. And I agree. Like, I love the Bronx Delight. That's like a meat party I want to be a part of any day. <laughs> <laughs> and then also they had this bagel sandwich called the Frankel. And when I was doing the mukbang for it, I swear I was starting to tear up a little bit. Like it was delicious. That housemate pastrami just kills it. Yeah, absolutely delicious. Everything is made in-house. And Monica, this used to be Standard Bakery, correct? That's correct. Have, had you been to Standard Bakery before when they were open for that time? No, because but you mentioned it, as I was telling you, there's not really a lot of places to eat up in North Seattle. Mm -hmm. And I always ask you because you live around that area. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned Standard Bakery a while back before they changed totally. it to Zilberstein. Totally. And they had that famous cornflake marshmallow cookie. And I was surprised that I was in a room full of foodies and I was the only one that ever had that cookie. That cookie is fantastic. And it's been making its way around Seattle for quite some time. And um, it's delicious. And it's the size of my face. <laughs> yeah, we all had a great time taking pictures of that big <laughs> giant cookie. All right, guys, make sure you get, check out Zilverstein up in North Seattle and Pinehurst. Monica, there was another event that we missed last week. Tell us about that one. Yes, we miss recapping Cowabunga, and we highlighted that, and it's presented by Seattle Met and the Washington Beef Association, and the event we went to was Beer and Barbecue, and that was on Saturday, and to kick it off, my favorite, Topo Chico Mineral Water, uh, they just have the best way for us to stay hydrated between sips of brews and wine. Another one of our favorites, Seamus Platt of the Shambles. He had one of the best dishes by far. It was smoked beef neck, and it was simple, and it was smoked perfectly, and it was tender. Did you like that one, Nelson? Monica, that was probably my favorite thing I right. ate during that whole time. It was so good and tender. I, I think I ate like four of those. <laughs> <laughs> I know, me too. Another business that uh, is the first time I've tasted their food, but I've been following online for quite some time is BB6 Taiwanese Pop-Up. And they made a tender Taiwanese beef shank with carrots, fermented greens, tomato sacha, barbecue sauce, and fried shallots. Uh, that shank was sliced really thin and was easy to eat. And the flavors were something that I didn't expect to see at a barbecue event, but delicious. Uh, what were some of your other favorites, Nelson? So my other favorite has to be from Briley's Barbecue. They had mm. a chili with cornbread in it, but they put burnt ends in that chili. Oh man. Oh, man. Okay, in Seattle, there's not really a lot of places that you can that you can find burnt ends. So anytime mm. you can get burnt ends, I am totally in for that. So I really love the Briley's. That was my favorite. That was another good one. Just I think just in general, there's just a lot of good food and a lot of good people doing barbecue. Mm -hmm. For sure. That barley's uh, chili also had sweet potatoes in it. So it had a bit of sweetness that I'm not quite used to, but was perfect. And those cornbread croutons were house made. They're so delicious. Uh, so Briley's guys, technically not in Seattle, but pretty close. It's just a little bit outside of Seattle city limits in Lake Forest Park, kind of in my neighborhood. So I kind of get there every time I can. And the meat is fantastic. And the views are hot out there. So Cowabunga, if you guys missed it, it happens once a year. Sign up for email updates to get a jump on next year's tickets. And typically, I think there are about four events. So it's, you know, Friday, a couple on Saturday, and one on Sunday. And so they're themed, and it's always exciting, and it's always full of meat. <laughs> yeah. I, I still want to give another shout out to Washington Beef Association. Mm -hmm. They supplied all of the meat for that entire event. Mm -hmm. 
So yes, shout out to them. Thank you so much for doing that. Yes. Okay, Monica, let's move on to another recap. Speaking of Seamus Platt and Shambles, you and I got a chance to create our own lamb burgers. The Shambles, mm-hmm. featuring Seamus Platt, as I mentioned, out in Greenwood with the American Lamb Board, provided us with a pound of ground lamb to make our own unique burger creations. My burger was seasoned with oregano, thyme, and other spices. A lot of secret spices I would not mention. And I topped it with a feta cheese and tzatziki sauce with red onions, arugula, sprinkled with some EVOO, and tomatoes. Monica, I kind of wanted to make a gyro-style burger. What did you come up with? Secret ingredients. <laughs> here's, here's what I believe about recipes, and this is always my belief. I think that you can take the exact same recipe. It can taste totally different because it's never about actually the recipe. It's about execution. I actually was a little extra and made two burgers. <laughs> yeah. I texted, I texted you this morning. I was like, were we supposed to make two burgers? Cause I only uh, had planned for one and I spent way too much at Trader Joe's trying to get ingredients <laughs> for that one burger. Cause I, I'm not going back there and trying to find more ingredients. So, okay. So here's the deal. I think I really wanted to make that teriyaki style lamb burger in Hawaii. We have these uh, Terry burgers and they can either be sliced teriyaki beef or it could be a burger in teriyaki sauce. So I wanted to do a take on that, but I also wanted to do a lamb burger that could capitalize on some of the meat program at the Shambles, which is why I made this other one that's really interesting. And uh, it had pancetta and I put figs in the lamb patty. Um, sorry, not figs, prunes. I'm thinking about figs because I have figs right now. <laughs> it was actually prunes. <laughs> but it's it's a sweetness and it caramelizes in a way that's really interesting. So I just wanted to be sure, like in terms of us working on Project Glamburger, that there was something that kind of I was thinking outside the box and then something that would sort of fit into more of what the shambles would create. I was trying to think like that too because they, they kind of said like inspiration. They want mm-hmm. to do some of their like meats and um, include into that and mm-hmm. I was like what what goes well with lamb and I I don't know for some reason when I was shopping at grocery shopping I was just like you know what I just want to make a euro style burger it was like maybe mm-hmm. I would have added an Asian twist to it but I was like mm-hmm. you know what I'm going to keep it simple because yeah. we are trying to help Shambles, Seamus Platt and the American Lamb Board create a lamb burger for their finished menu and Monica will be attending a burger workshop on October 26th and we'll definitely recap it for you all Mm-hmm. Now, I mentioned secret ingredients. The reason I said secret ingredients is, I'll be honest with you, I can't remember what else I put in the seasoning. So that's why it's called secret <laughs> ingredients. That that sounds a lot more likely. <laughs> okay, I get it. <laughs> but you guys, make sure you look out for our posts for the our lamb burgers. I took some pictures today. Monica posted earlier. Check out our stories as well. And at the end of the month, we're also going to be highlighting the American land board too, as well with this, with this workshop that we're going to be attending. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for that. Me too. So excited. Yeah. All right. We got through last weekend's let's, <laughs> let's get on to this week's recaps, mm-hmm. Monica. <laughs> for us, you and I both were up in Capitol Hill this past Saturday at the soul repair shop for Delta 1700 bar pop-up. We talked about this on our last show at first, Monica. Okay. I will admit I did not quite get, what all the fuss was about when I came in, I was just like, why are there so many people here? And then after about five minutes, I kind of understood why it was so packed. (laughs) Not only were they serving a themed beer from each international city and 
for like a cheaper price, no less. At the end of the hour, they picked someone in a raffle to win a trip for that respective city. And our friend of the podcast, Sam Garcia, won the trip to Amsterdam. <laughs> this is crazy. I can't. It's like normally it's just some random stranger that's like, oh, cool. Yeah, you won. But Sam won a trip for two. I was like, this Holy is that's so awesome. So awesome. When they called her name, I was like, she's not here. And then she came out like <laughs> out of the corner. She was, she was sitting in the corner and she, yeah, she won that trip and she travels a lot. So this is absolutely perfect. And I agree with you. I mean, it was fun to drink different beers, but it wasn't until they gave away that first ticket. I'm just like, oh man. <laughs> but yeah. you know, I, I was content I kept... with my pocket bun me from Bam Bam Lamb Chops because <laughs> I was hungry. <laughs> so he gave me a sandwich. Yeah, I kept talking to I kept talking to all our friends and I was like, I don't get this. I was like, why why don't people just walk across the street and get get drinks there? I was like, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, they're each hour they're changing cities and they're handing out a ticket for two to each city. I was talking to some people and they waited like eight hours the night before. <laughs> they were there for eight hours at the bar because they were hoping to get the get the tickets to do the giveaway. That's crazy, Monica. I I. I love a free ticket, but man, eight hours <laughs> is a long time at this bar. Yeah, it's a long time. I had other things to do, unfortunately. <laughs> but I thought I thought it was a unique idea. This is still pretty cool. The beers were really good. The next hour was Paris, and they did a Frambois, right? I've had that yeah. before in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know me; I love fruity stuff. So when you do <laughs> have a, when you have a raspberry Frambois, I'm all over that. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, uh, back to Sam Garcia. If you haven't listened to episode 23 with Sam's interview with Monica, make sure you check that one out. All right, Monica, what's another recap you got for us this week? Well, I think the best way to start off any Monday is with a cocktail. So last Monday, we went to preview something new at Current Bistro. They're having a next level cocktail making class. Actually, class says. Bar manager Christina Buenaventura is making a splash in Seattle, and she's helping us learn some bartending skills that we can use at home in a, get this people, free, in free theme classes on every second Tuesday of each month at 8 p.m. at Current Bistro. So Nelson, you and I had a chance to attend that preview, and it was really educational. I mean, we learned everything from where Christina gets her inspiration tools to use if you don't have all the specialized bar making equipment, and how to wow your guests with tasty drinks. Nelson, you had a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was very interested and fascinated by this whole cocktail class. It was Yes, you made fun of me by asking. You're just like, oh, my gosh, you have another question. As if like well, it was one. Of, you know what it felt like, Monica? I had PTSD back in college where oh, no. I'm like sitting in the lecture hall and I was like, oh, my God, this guy's asking another question. It has nothing to do with the content or the. It has nothing to do with the, <laughs> the topic or subject the professor is talking about. He just wants to ask a stupid question. And, I just, oh, and it so kind sorry. of felt like, and that's what sorry. it felt like. I was like, oh my God. I was like, she, she probably wonders like, just let's, can you just finish it? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Thank you for telling me. You guys, Nelson only tells me these things on the podcast about how I just caused PTSD. So if we didn't have the podcast, I fear he wouldn't tell me. So I appreciate that. And I'm sorry. No, but I was really, I was really fascinated by it. <laughs> she had a lot of book recommendations that yeah. she showed us. And I think the cool thing is, is that she said anyone can make a cocktail at home and you don't have to buy a nice set from William Sonoma with a stir and a drainer mm-hmm. and 
the the shaker or anything like that you can actually use a lot of materials and a lot of things you have in the kitchen that you mm-hmm. can make cocktails out of i think that i thought that was really cool yeah i think that's very real and classes are free you guys but it's limited to eight people and it's first come first serve so if you take this class you'll get a recipe about what you learned that night you'll get some swag from partnering spirits companies and a special discount from current bistro that night and the next class is this tuesday october 8th so if you want more information go to facebook because i think they have some events on there where you can check out what the themes are for the future and it's pretty exciting because the holidays are coming up and there's some holiday themes yeah and they're doing all the demonstrations at the bar too Mm -hmm. okay monica i i feel like with all these events that we're recapping is this an alcoholic themed show this week? I don't know. No, we talked about meat twice. Like lots okay. of meat. Meat. Okay. All right. Because our last recap has to do with more alcohol. But this was <laughs> this was crazy. Man, Seattle knows how to celebrate the pumpkin. The pumpkin, Monica. <laughs> yes. Seattle is good at celebrating the pumpkin. (laughs) (laughs) This is so random. This past weekend, you and I both attended the 15th annual Fred Hutch Great Pumpkin Beer Festival. What started out as a small event on Capitol Hill's Elysian is now a full-blown two-day celebration at the Seattle Center. Not only is there plenty of pumpkin beer and pumpkin-themed beers, but there was a wacky costume contest pumpkin pie eating contest and a crazy party that had monica dj jazzy jeff on friday why did we not go on friday monica oh so mad because i'm old and tired (laughs) (laughs) but but what was the coup de gras was they hold out and remove the seeds from a giant 1700 pound pumpkin and they tapped it with a lesion pumpkin beer Mm -hmm. as if it was a giant pumpkin keg this is crazy this is crazy I've never heard of this before. And they were just yeah. pouring out and just pouring out beers and just Monica, this, okay. We've been to, we, we went to the search party earlier this year, but this was absolutely insane. Everybody all over was dressed in orange <laughs> and they had crazy costumes. We, we saw the costume contest. It was, it was insane. And then there was a, there's a DJ booth that was shaped like Mordor. That was awesome too. <laughs> I was like, this is, this is awesome. I love it. I love, I love Halloween. The worst part about Halloween is that it takes me in August to figure out what I'm going to wear for October 31st. That's that's the only thing. It takes me – I have to think on in August like what kind of costume I'm wearing because by the time October rolls around and I don't have a costume, I don't go anywhere because I was like, I don't I don't have anything. So it takes me I that don't know. We could do We could do Iron Man and the Hulk again. <laughs> uh, I want to do something different. Do something totally. Different. Yeah. Totally. I agree. It's such a huge party. And I loved in terms of the drinks they were serving. They were serving some pretty cool slushies. And also their cute little glasses had pumpkin faces on them. So that was really cute. Music was there. The stilt walkers were super cool. But you know what wasn't cool? That creepy mannequin lady that you took a picture with that you tried to make me take a picture with for <laughs> the podcast. That was creepy AF. I wasn't going to do it. I knew that was a real person, but it was still creepy. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about my girlfriend, right? My girlfriend yeah. that we had date night with? Yeah. That was yeah. awesome. You don't like that? I think that's I think that's fantastic. I don't know. I did not take a picture with her. I would not do it. And then the biggest disappointment <laughs> of the night is that there were people dropping coins all over the floor in Fisher Pavilion. <laughs> and I picked them up thinking they were all candy. And they're not candy. They're like legit just plastic coins. Very disappointing. <laughs> no, but Monica, you use the plastic coins to trade in for Elysian paraphernalia. 
I got well, I, I got I orange. Ate, I ate like three of them before I realized they weren't candy. <laughs> I got orange. <laughs> I got a bunch of stickers. I got some orange beads. We got like a handkerchief slash bandana. There was some really cool lesion stuff that was there. Huh. Okay. <laughs> I wanted candy, but we did have some great candy from Seattle Chocolates because they had a hot Mexican chocolate and a peanut butter one. And those truffles are so dreamy. Yeah, those truffles were really good. The beer, though, my favorite has to be the pumpkin chino. This beer had a shot of Stumptown coffee in the beer. Oh, okay. oh was so good. That was and it's a dark porter, too. And mm-hmm. you know how much I love porters and light beers. Mm-hmm. The, I'm, I'm like sure. the polar opposite. So I really like those, too. Monica, there was so much drinking we did on Saturday and so we did on Saturday. <laughs> There's so much drinking we did on Saturday, Monica. I literally went to the gym today and stayed at extra time in the sauna and steam room just to like get all the bloatedness out of me. That's just so much. So so last week, the, the effective recap for last week is we had meat sweats and beer sweats. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on to the events, shall we? We got several to talk about. And how about I start it off, Monica? Okay. Some Seattle foodie friends at Chino E-China Eats will be having a pop-up at Cafe Opla on Saturday, October 12th from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. Half of the Chino E-China Eats team, Ronnie, will be making Cuban food with an Asian twist. The menu is still TBD, but coming soon. But make sure you RSVP on their Facebook page, Monica. It's always great to support other Seattle foodies, especially when they're making some delicious food. I think it's so cool that they're having a pop-up at Cafe Opla. I like supporting Seattle foodies. No, I agree. It sounds like a really fun event and something that the food community is definitely galvanized around. I saw lots of people sharing it for sure. I don't think I can make it because I'm committed to something else, but it is super exciting. And what I love is when people who love to eat also know how to cook. And my mm-hmm. son, bless his heart, was asking me if I was going to open a restaurant when he saw me cooking the lamb. I'm just like, uh, hell no. <laughs> That's a lot of work. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, your son must have been so disappointed when she did that. I know. Yeah, he was really upset. He's all, well, you act like you're going to open a restaurant. I mean, what are you cooking these lamb burgers for? <laughs> so they said Cuban food with Asian twist. In my head, I'm thinking like bond me pickled vegetables in a cuban sandwich or something maybe what do you think hmm. what else what else can you think of i don't know i don't know i'd be really interested to see what what kind of things are on the menu and it's like i said it'll, it'll be interesting i'm very i'm very hmm. excited monica what do you got for us to start off well nelson as you know if you like beer i'm your girl and on Saturday, <laughs> October 12th, from 12 p.m. to 9.30 p.m., you can enjoy lovely brews at Georgetown Stables for Seattle Fresh Hop. As we all know, the Pacific Northwest is home to hoppy beer, and the Yakima Valley is home to, get this, 75% of the hops grown in the United States. This is beer country, y'all. So this place is where you can celebrate it all. Some of my favorites that will be at this event are Fremont Beer Brewing, Finn River Farm and Cidery, and Two Beers Brewing. It also benefits the Chump Change Foundation, whose mission it is to build community one smile at a time. And they do that by recruiting, managing, and training volunteers, seeking opportunities to give back to their communities through nonprofits. So Nelson, if you haven't had enough beer, I got you. <laughs> yeah, and there's uh, going to, like you mentioned, there's going to be Fremont Brewing and Finn River we had that cider at Finn River a, a couple weeks ago. That sounds like fun. Monica, I'm, I'm going to be real with you. When you said Chump Change Foundation, I thought you said <laughs> Trump 
Trump Change Foundation. Oh. I'm like, oh, I'm like, hell no, I'm I'm not going to participate in that if we're if we're going to support the Trump Change Foundation. But when you said you said Trump Change, so I was like, okay, that, that okay, that different. That that's better. I will support that instead. And all our listeners go support Chump Change Foundation, not Trump. (laughs) Sorry about that, guys. I'm tripping over my words tonight. Tickets are available on Stranger Tickets and it starts at $20 for a souvenir glass admission and six script for sips. Script for sips. Say that six times quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Monica, from that to a sandwich anniversary you know how much i love sandwiches so on mm-hmm. thursday october 10th from 3 to 6 p.m delicatus will be celebrating their 10th year anniversary and we'll be having a sandwich junkie get down i can't believe it's already been 10 years for delicatus that's crazy no can't believe it at delicatus come celebrate with them with some great food and drink specials make sure you stop by from 3 to 6 p.m guys they're gonna have Lots of food out there. There's going to be lots of drinking too as well. And I get, again, this is a drinking theme show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. Now that we have the drinking out of the way, let's get to some sweet tooth action because I don't know about you, Nelson, but I love dessert lots. So I have, let's see, let's start with depressed cake shop because this is actually an event that's important to both of us. It's one of our favorite events, Nelson. Uh, Depressed Cake Shop is happening on Saturday, October 12th at Optimism Brewing. NAMI, which is National Alliance on Mental Illness, holds this community event where attendees can purchase treats made by local bakers. And everything, the treats are all dull and gray, which represents depression on the outside, but it's all colorful on the inside, and that symbolizes hope. And Nelson, actually, you and I went to it last year, and I had a great time um, trying to support as much as I could. I had a great time too as well. And I remember covering this last year as well. It was fun. I bought a lot of cake, cake goods. I got, I was, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it was good. And I loved it. I, I really love the, the rainbow in the ins, inside when you open up mm-hmm. the, the cakes or the cupcakes or whatever we bought. I thought, I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was cool too. And um, one of the things that I loved is I got to eat probably like half the sweet things that you bought. So that was fantastic. <laughs> Oh, guys, NAMI works to fill the gaps in our local mental health system through education, referrals, and support. So this is a really great cause, and it's a really fun way to support. So get out there at Optimism Brewing on Saturday and check it out. Bring cash, because I had to borrow cash from Nelson last year, and the cash pays for the script. Monica, I think you and I are big proponents of mental health and mental Mm -hmm. awareness. Personally, I, I really take care and do mental health awareness and do a lot of self-care for myself, like acupuncture or massages or mm-hmm. anything just to like help with recovery and also mentally. And I love taking mental health days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My boss, he always takes, I was like, you should take a mental health day. And back in school, I was like, no, perfect attendance. I must be at work at all times. Mm-hmm. And now as I'm older, I'm like, yeah, I could take a mental health day. I can take a mental health month, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. And so, no, I totally agree with you. I mean, I've had struggles over the years and I've worked really hard in my journey to get to a different place. And it's organizations like this that helps people find the resources that they need because not everyone has access to what they need. And so it's really important to have organizations like NAMI. Perfect. Okay, Monica, that's pretty much all of our events. That's pretty good. We got through that pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. I'm just 
I'm patting myself on the back and I'm patting, I'm <laughs> doing an imaginary pat on your back too, as well. It's like, we, that's a pretty good job on our end. Yeah. All right. Let's, how about we get on to our interview, shall we? Yeah. I'm pretty excited to hear about this one. <laughs> so our interview this week is with our good friend, our good friend, but <laughs> personally, He's my plus one for the past two years. Emerald <laughs> City Eater, he is one of the most talented Seattle photographers that we know. Brian and I talked about everything from Yelp to cameras to how the Seattle food scene has changed since we were in college to now. Make sure you follow Brian Kang, a.k.a. Emerald City Eater, and here's our interview. Hey, Seattle, I am with Emerald City Eater, a.k.a. Brian Kang, a.k.a. my... um foodie partner i guess <laughs> hashtag not a couple <laughs> hashtag not a couple i always consider you probably like one of the best food photographers in seattle we'll talk about that later you started off at doing yelp and i just want to talk about like how did you get your start on food well i've been eating food ever since <laughs> the day i was born yes um so yeah but i mean you know being asian food is always the center of every gathering of every event Food has a very important place in our culture. Basically, I've always been interested in food, uh, whether it be cooking. I used to wake up in the morning when I was a kid and go down and watch all those PBS shows on a Saturday morning. Uh, before... You mean like Yan Can Cook? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Before Food Network was a thing, <laughs> uh, you'd go down and watch public access and, and things like that. That's a, kind of how I got my interest in food growing up as time evolved and Yelp came a thing. That was just somewhere where I would always go to try to find new places to try. After about a couple of years of just using Yelp as just a tool to find places, I felt like, you know, I should probably give something back. Just let people know if it's good or not. That way they don't waste their money. You and our mutual friend Haley got me into Yelp. Like I was you mm -hmm. probably, you're like more than five years into Yelp, right? Yeah, like yeah. Yelp for five years. I've only done it for just barely two years. I was like you. I did not know. I just used it as a resource. I mean, opened up my phone, like, what's good to eat around Queen Anne or something like that. And I would never know what happened. But then you, just, you guys kind of influenced me to start writing <laughs> reviews. And was like, oh, you should do Yelp Elite. And I think that's kind of the cool thing because that was the first time we actually got into like free food events. Yeah, right? for sure. <laughs> Before for sure. Instagram. <laughs> so I was just like, wait, there. They're doing like full dinners and stuff like that. I was like, I don't, and I don't have to do anything. And it's like, it's kind of crazy. So Yelp, I think Yelp has a lot of negative connotations. For me, I think there's a lot of positives behind it. You got a lot of people that you met around that community. And then plus there's a lot of new foods and new mm -hmm. restaurants that you get to try. Yeah, too. yeah, exactly. For like any pro for-profit business, there's going to be good things and bad things. But what makes Yelp such a good place is the community that's built around it. The community managers, the people, that's what makes it great. And if you actually do connect with people on Yelp, you'll have like a base of food reviews that you can trust because you, there are people that I'd followed on Yelp that I'd never met, but I felt like they were my food doppelganger. And I was like, <laughs> anywhere that guy went, if, if it looked good and he gave it a good review, I'm going to go there next. Uh -huh. Yeah, as far as like food discovery, that's the place because what are the alternatives? Google reviews? I don't know. And I, I don't think you're going to go there. Europe, in Europe and in Asia, I think Travelocity is really big in, up there. Oh, the travel, uh, TripAdvisor. TripAdvisor, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I use that when I travel. Yeah, in Asia, like Yelp was not that popular when I was in Singapore. Yeah, I think they so have something called like Open Rice or something yeah, like that. Or, yeah. I don't but know Yelp, Yelp is 
my number one source when I'm in domestically in the U.S. So let's get into Instagram because you and I kind of started the same time, mm-hmm. relatively the same. We are team camera right? <laughs> versus team phone. Convince someone, one of our, our audience, why we should use cameras versus phones. Like there's nothing wrong with it, but why do we use cameras over phones? I think the main reason to use a camera over a phone is number one, you have more control over what you want out of the output. The focusing, the depth of field is a little bit better. And even though these phones are great with the the portrait mode and everything, I I still think that under unideal circumstances, a camera is still better. But under ideal circumstances, perfect lighting, I think an iPhone can do just as good, if not better than a camera. We shoot in restaurants, normally at dinner, and it's dark in there, and to get the best shot, I think you need to have a camera. Especially the fall and winter time. Yeah, because especially it's always fall. it's always night, like by five thirty at winter time, so you exactly. can't really shoot anything. <laughs> so at dinner time, it's hard to shoot with an iPhone. Yeah, especially the iPhones we have. Yeah, <laughs> you're an awesome photographer. I don't know. Thanks. You always look at all these angles. So can I? I just want to like pick your brain. And this is probably a personal question for me. What are you looking for when you're looking for like food shots or just in like just regular landscape or any shots in general? Like what are you looking at? Because you're every time you post something, those you, you always seem to have a different angle or some sort of viewpoint that I didn't even look at. And we're shooting the same thing. So what are you looking for when you're looking at? Well, first, I think the most important thing is exposure, the light. Obviously, natural lighting is best. But then beyond that, you have to look at the dish. The di- like think of the dish as a face. What is the focal point of that dish? If it's going to be an octopus, you're going to want to get it on the tentacles. If it's going to be a nice steak with a butter pad on top, you're going to want to get on that butter pad and make that the focal point. So yeah, I-, I would say just think about what is the best feature of the dish and then try to put that in the best light. And if you do that, I think you're going to get a good picture. I'm always looking at it as just, you rarely do flat lays. It's like a lot, I see a lot of people on doing Instagram, it's like everything's a flat lay, but yours is always the viewpoint from someone's eye. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I like to take the picture how it's naturally on, on the table. I don't like to do anything too crazy. But one of the main reasons I don't take a flat lay is that my camera does not have a flip screen. So I can't see <laughs> what I'm taking a picture of. <laughs> Mine either. That's why I take so many shots. I'm like, someone's, one thing's got to work out. One thing's got to come out. Okay, let's, let's talk about food in Seattle. Uh, good and bad. How would you describe the Seattle food scene? I would say there's two levels right now. First, there's a high-end level where it's controlled a lot by like corporate or large food groups or star chefs that have lots of restaurants and then there's this kind of like scrappy level of like pop-ups and food trucks and things like that i think it really has to do with the economic conditions in seattle we have very very high income wealthy people and then we have everyone else down here the price to you know just get entry into the game is so high that you're either doing it by like pop-up shoestring type budget thing or you're making this fancy place in Bellevue <laughs> where they're charging $40 for fried rice. Actually, the place I went today, they had $100 fried rice. $100 fried rice. Uh, Were there gold leaves? Was they doing uh, it was a truffle of fried rice. Mm-hmm. What do you personally prefer? My preference is for hole-in-the-walls. Yeah. You know, cow-cow. 
Uh, that's probably my favorite restaurant in Seattle. Cow Cow? Okay, uh, yeah. You know, places like that, you know, family owned, small, but that's my preference. Now, would you find that on Yelp or where, how would you, how would oh, you definitely on Yelp. Yeah. yeah, definitely okay, on Yelp. For the hole in the walls? I'm, I'm always looking at other people's Instagrams. I was like, I don't know where this is. And you know what's confusing is when I look at people's Instagram stories, can never figure out like, oh, what was that place that they had? I was like, that's oh, yeah. always so hard to do. I agree with you. I think you have that upper level where you have like those Tom Douglases and the Rene Ericsons, and then you have those other ones where it's just like fried chicken. Yeah. <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting fried chicken for less than $10. I'm with you. I think we have a better bond together because we, you and I, other than your love for non-seafood. <laughs> so I'm the only one who likes seafood. You, you don't like seafood, but, but we have similar palates, I think. It was like, I think the taste palates are pretty similar and that's for us. So speaking of Cow Cow, what are some other places that you, that are some staples? Because you're originally from here, right? Yeah, not from, yeah. Not originally from here, but you've, you've lived here quite some time. Well, Redmond's not that far away, but... Um, <laughs> Well, uh, some of my favorites, Daru Market in Kirkland, definitely one of my favorites. Gotta get the cake. Isar and Soul Thai Kitchen, I think that's what it's called. Uh That's one of my favorite. They do a Northern style Thai, which is not as common as Bangkok style in Seattle. Renton Bistro, that's definitely one of my favorite restaurants. Um, They've been open for about a year and just extensive menu, great flavors. So yeah, those... Uh, would be my three restaurants, Cow Cow, Daru, and Isar. Isar. Oh, I guess and four. And Bistro. 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 There we go. I'm sensing an Asian <laughs> theme. Mine is the Daru. Yeah, market. yeah. We grew up here in Seattle. Uh-huh. 30 years ago, the Asian presence was not here. I think we talked about this in the past, yeah. that we were basically the token Asians at our school. Right. So, like, to grow up having Asian food being... Chinese food or Japanese food or teriyaki yeah. to what it is today where you can get Szechuan, Hunan, Chongqing or whatever, like yeah. all these regional dishes and cuisines that just weren't even a thing right. back when we were growing up. I just remember every weekend, they don't have this restaurant anymore, but it's like Noble Court for dim sum. It's always oh, yeah. like oh, yeah. my parents and I, we would always go as a kid. It was just like, where are we going? And I was like, I know, I already know exactly where we're going because they're only, <laughs> there's only like one good Chinese restaurant on the east side and it's Noble Court. They're yeah. doing dim sum. So now there's like tons that have blown up and now there's different ethnic foods that's come up too as well. A lot of Indian foods that have came up. Oh, there was, yeah. used to be, there used to be like one Indian buffet in like Factoria that that's all we <laughs> knew about. But now there's like, there's 10 of them. Lots of really good choices and diverse choices. Let me talk one more thing about Seattle. What is the hot trends in Seattle right now? What do you think? Well, back on the Asian tip, <laughs> <laughs> I think, like I said, the hyper local dishes that you're finding, like sauerkraut fish or yeah. something like that. I mean, I, I wouldn't be a fan, but you're getting all these dishes and these regional dishes that just weren't available before. And then on top of that, you're getting Asian twists on staples. Things like flower box donuts. They're doing like the durian or the milk tea flavors. Mm -hmm. The rabbit, white rabbit trend that was earlier this year. Yeah. So like all this nostalgic thing worked into things we already love. I think those are like major trends. I think it's I think it's Asian desserts too. Yeah, Asian we, desserts. I mean, we love Snowy Village. Uh, Snowy Village. <laughs> and I mean, all these chains coming directly from Asia to here. So it's not like a local company opening up. This is like actual chains coming straight from Asia 
to Seattle. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a little bit different. Okay, I have one question for you. Cheap eats. Give me some good cheap eats that you know. Cow cow. <laughs> cow cow. Okay. Uh, cow cow is great. In Renton, there's several, several taco places. There's El Kiosco. There's El Tacos El Jim. And there is Jaguar, which used to be El Burrito Loco. You can get like one to two dollar tacos at all those places, and they're really good. Are they still doing one dollar tacos at Jaguar? I didn't know they called it Jaguar. I thought, yeah, I've always thought it was El Burrito Loco. I think they Loco. still have the El Burrito Loco sign, but it also says Jaguar on the menu. But yeah, they do $1 tacos on, I think, three days a week in uh-huh. the L gyms every day. Cheap beats. There's not that many left, <laughs> to be honest. But yeah, you can still find some good ones if you, you're willing to get out of, out of the city. I got some flashcards. I'm going to flip through them because some of them, they might not pertain to you. We're going to go as fast as you can. And then just name them out rapid fire. Okay. Are you ready? Okay, ready. All right. This is, some of them are non-food related as a lot of people know. So favorite pizza. <laughs> give me, give me a couple. Ready. You give me a couple. You give me a couple. Uh, oh, well, late night pizza, Big Mario, uh-huh. Neapolitan style bar del Corso, and Windy City slash Breezy Town for deep dish. Yeah. We did Big Mario's last weekend. That was, yeah, I don't know that why. Was that great. was, for some reason, really, really good. It was probably because we had a couple drinks. Yeah. <laughs> it was like about midnight. It was pretty good. All right. I know this one. Seahawks or Sounders? Oh, Seahawks all day. Okay. You're, you cook at home. What's your favorite dish you like to make at home? I would say curry. Curry? Either Japanese or Thai. Okay. What was the curry that you always like, that you always refer to? Oh, S&B Golden Curry, Extra Spicy. Is the best Japanese curry. Awesome. I knew that. I just wanted people to let me know what it is. Okay. Give me your guilty pleasure. Like, guilty pleasure food. Oh, Snowy Village. Snowy Village? <laughs> <laughs> is that a guilty pleasure? That's a guilty no, pleasure. No, there's no guilt involved, but, um, but I feel ashamed sometimes. <laughs> favorite okay. coffee spot. Give me your favorite coffee spot. Ooh, Vivace. Vivace. Pop or soda? It's called soda. <laughs> All right. Brunch or dinner? Ooh, dinner. Dinner? Give me your favorite sandwich. I never see you eat a sandwich. Favorite sandwich would be probably a banh mi. Okay. And then uh, best fried chicken. Oh. This is hard. Jolly be spicy. Jolly be spicy? <laughs> it's really good, isn't it? Yes. I actually <laughs> had it last night, and I got a bucket in my refrigerator right now. <laughs> All right, and then I'm going to end on this one. Your favorite breakfast. Favorite breakfast or brunch? You just tell me that. Favorite breakfast item would be eggs benedict or chicken and waffles. Okay, what's your favorite brunch spot then? Uh, I would say Dare Market. Okay, yeah. Or I like Tilcom Place Cafe. Ooh, I like Tilcom Place Cafe. But I do. I am an we're an East Sider, so I do like Daru Market. All right, Brian, I'm gonna let you go because that's that's a lot of, <laughs> that's a lot of rapid fire that that you just thought off the top of your head. Thank you so much for interviewing with me. It's fun. Monica's like, we have to get this guy on. Why, why have we not gotten Brian on for so long? And I was like, I don't know. I'll just text him. <laughs> so yeah. I'll just figure it out. But uh, we're glad you're on. Good choices. You guys got to check out at Emerald City Eater. Your photography is phenomenal. I always tell people, <laughs> when we went to that Il Corvo a long time ago, what was it like December, I can't even remember, 2018 or oh, 2017 yeah. or whatever that, it was? That's when you buy the camera. I'm just... He's like, his camera's so nice. I was like, I don't know. I was like, I, I, I still haven't posted that picture of, of our El Corvo. I don't think I'll ever will. So <laughs> never, never again. But everybody follow 
Emerald City Eater. Thanks. All right, thanks for having me. And that was our interview with Brian Kang, aka Emerald City Eater. Monica, you are my foodie wife, but Brian is my foodie husband. Because we live in Seattle, this is a progressive city, so I'm okay calling him <laughs> my foodie husband. Absolutely. Guys, if I were with Nelson, which I'm not, because hashtag not a couple, but if I were with Nelson, I would be jealous of Brian. Like these guys <laughs> are together all the time. And, you know, I love Brian's wit and his talent. You know, I love telling the story about how we met, but I'll save that for another time. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's save that for another time. Yeah, Brian and I hang out so much. We also use hashtag not a couple as well. <laughs> yeah, but I thought one time there was like hashtag couple. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, pretty sure it wasn't. Pretty sure it wasn't. Yeah, no, pretty but much, it's, guys. It's always a bromance between these two. Uh, and that's okay, because we all need good friends in our lives. And so I'm glad that you guys have each other. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's end it there. We'll be <laughs> that's good. That's good right now. All right, Monica, that's pretty much our show for tonight. Anything to say before we leave? Nope. I'm pretty excited to hang out with my friends some more. So I'll be on the low key. So if you don't see me with Nelson too much, it's because I'm spending time with my friends and fam. And looking forward to when I do see you, Nelson. We do have one event that's this coming Thursday, though. It's kind of cool because I like to shop at Whole Foods a lot, and it's a Whole Foods event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also love Whole Foods. I'm just hoping that maybe they'll have some beer or something there, but, you know. <laughs> you are all about the alcohol and sweets. Give me all the meats. Give me all the sandwiches. Give me all the savory stuff. I'm all about that. You can have, you can have the cakes. You can have the cookies. You can have all that stuff. <laughs> okay, I'll take them all. Thank you. Uh, I think that's why we make such a good team. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> yeah. On that note, everyone, thank you so much for listening and happy eating, Seattle. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for future episodes and leave us a five-star rating and review on whichever platform you're listening on. In the meantime, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Seattle Foodie Podcast and on Twitter at Seattle Food Pod. You can also email us at SeattleFoodiePodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we hope you enjoy the Seattle Foodie Podcast.